Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Turn to Romans chapter 7, verse 4. Let me read you the verse. Therefore, my brethren, you were also made to die to the law and through the body of Christ so that you would be joined to another, to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. Verse 5, he says, For while we were in the flesh, and you know that flesh, our flesh, it's all about me, take care of me, my passions. He said the sinful passions of our flesh, they were aroused by the law. Remember the Ten Commandments that got broken down in Leviticus to 613 Levitical statutes? They didn't just take ten and say that's enough. They subbed them out break them down little by little into every little aspect. He says, my flesh, the sinful passions, they became aroused by the law of God. He says, they were at work in the members of my body to bear fruit for death. He says, but now we've been released from the law, having died to that which we were bound so that we can serve in newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? He said, is the law sin? May it never be, God forbid. On the contrary, he says, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. He says, for I wouldn't have known about coveting except that it says in the law, thou shalt not covet. And what's Paul saying? Verse eight, I love this. He said, but sin taking opportunity through the commandment produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. He says, I didn't even know about this sin that resided in my members until the law said, thou shalt not do this. And what is it about our nature that when someone says, don't do that, we're like, well, who are you to tell me not to do that? I'm going to do that. You said, don't, I'm going to do it. I don't know if it's just our flesh or challenge to us or what, but we don't like people telling us not to do something. And Paul, he didn't like it when the law said, Thou shalt not covet. What's coveting mean? When you want something that someone else has, it's theirs. Coveting is a dangerous sin. The Bible says don't covet your neighbor's anything. Don't covet his oxen. Don't covet his servant. Don't covet anything that he has. As soon as that sin starts rolling around in our heart, we start figuring out, well, how do I get that car away from them? And, you know, our sinful nature is devious. I mean, we can come up with a couple different ways. We like, maybe we could lie to them and convince them they need to get rid of that car. And we just happen to be there, so they need to give it to us. Now, look, we'll just steal the car. Do you think coveting has ever led to murder? Somebody wanted something that someone else had and they killed them just to get it? Sure. And so Paul says, as soon as he read in the law, thou shalt not covet, he noticed that inside of him there was coveting going on. He was wanting what other people... Now, by the way, I've shared this tip. If you want a secret of how to overcome coveting, I can tell you the secret. And this works every time. Say you're coveting your neighbor's car. Don't say, God, I want my neighbor's car. What you do is you go, God, could I have a car like my neighbor's car? I don't have to have my neighbor's car. One like it. See, for all you know, God might say, I don't want you to have his car. His is a lemon under the hood. You just don't know it. It's about to blow up another 20 miles down the road. It's going to throw a rod and it's going to be over. The engine's toasted. 
And you'd be going, but I want his car. And God's going, I ain't giving you his car. I don't want to curse you. I want to bless you. And you could get a better blessing by just saying, God, could I have one like it? Maybe one that's not going to have a bum engine or is going to have a bad brake job or whatever the problem is. See, because we have a God who knows all things. By the way, guys, this works even for some of you covet other people's spouses. Don't do that. You say, God, could I have one like that? Not that person, because that person was already given to someone else. Leave that alone. You're just going to be led into sin, and that'll get you into trouble. But don't covet anything of someone else. Now, Paul said, as soon as he read it, he was in trouble. And he says, I was once alive apart from the law. I didn't know this stuff. I was living life. As soon as the commandment came, he says, that sin became alive in me, and I died. And it says, in this commandment, which was to result in life, actually proved to result in death for me. He found out that this commandment brought death to him. Look at verse 11. Taking opportunity through the commandment deceived me. And through it, he says, it killed me. As soon as I learned this stuff, thou shalt not do this, I was doing it. And then he realized, I got a problem. So then, verse 12, he says, the law is holy. And the commandment is holy. And it's righteous. And it's good. The law itself is good. Verse 13, did that which is good become a cause of death for me? May it never be. Rather, it was sin in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good, so that through the commandment, sin would become utterly sinful. In other words, Paul's saying, once I saw the rules that said, thou shalt not do this and thou shalt not do that, he went, I'm a rule breaker. I'm blowing it. I'm a sinner. Now, I don't know if any of you really needed any schooling in that area. I didn't. I was like, I know I'm a sinner. I never really went to church thinking that the minister had to tell me that I was a sinner. I went already knowing that. I wanted to know what do I do about it, okay? But we already saw in Romans 3, 23, Paul said, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So why the law? We have the Old Testament law. Have any of you run into sects of, they call themselves Christians, but they say, we're Christians, but we follow the law too. We follow Jesus, but we also adhere to the law. There's some groups like uh, Seventh-day Adventists. Do you guys worship on Sunday? They'll ask you right away. Do you eat pork? Do you do anything what is against the Jewish law? And they'll tell you that, well, we followed the Lord, but we follow the law too. And they act like somehow this makes them better than all the rest of the groups. I've run into some of them tell me, you guys... You worship on Sunday, you've taken the mark of the beast because you don't follow the law. I said, listen, the law had a job to do. His job was to be a tutor, it says in Galatians, to lead me to Christ. Once the tutor has done its job, do I need to keep going to the tutor? No, because I've already been led to the head of the body, Christ himself. And that's the one where the life comes from. That's the one that we serve in newness of life. Sometimes some of these people, they get so into this, I'm going to follow the law. I'm like, have you read the thing? They thought that if they follow the law, 
they would be approved by God. Like you earned your approval through your obedience to the law. The better you did the law, the more that God was pleased with you. The problem is, Paul said, the more I learned the law, and by the way, did Paul know the law? Was he a student of the scriptures? Yeah, he had the title Pharisee of Pharisees. Studied under one of the most premier leading Jewish rabbis, Gamaliel. He was very learned in the scripture. To even get the title Pharisee of Pharisees, you had to hand write out a copy of the scroll of Isaiah, every jot and tittle with no mistakes, and commit it to memory. The entire book of Isaiah which is not a short one, by the way, in the Old Testament. It's a long one. He was schooled. He knew what we call our Old Testament, their scriptures. He was a student of them. But he's the one saying to us, guys, this is about having new life. And new life does not come from being bound under the law. In fact, new life comes from being bound. Listen to this, verse 6. Now we have been released from the law having died to that which we were bound. It says, so that we might serve in the newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter, referring to the letter of the law. No more are we going with that, let's follow the letter of the law, let's follow the Spirit of the law. You know, when you learn the Spirit of the law, and by the way, did Jesus say, I came to get rid of the law? No, he said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. Well, you say, well, what was the requirement? What, what did he have to do to fulfill the law? He had to be a perfect, unblemished lamb. There was not one point of the law that he broke. To fulfill it, he had to live it out. And then, in that perfection, that's the part that I can't do. He lived out the law to the fullest extent, every part fulfilled. He said, Jesus, did you covet? Nope, didn't go there. Did you commit adultery? Did you fornicate? Did you break any of the law? Did you ever lie? Think about this. Did Jesus lie? No. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, he says, gets to the Father except through me. He came to be the sacrifice to help us get to God. But when it came to the law, the requirements of the law were really strict. He said, I came so that it's not abolished, it's fulfilled. Now you have a lamb, a lamb that has paid the price for all the sins of the world. And now what do we have to do to have everlasting life? Believe on him. He did the heavy work, guys. He paid. That's the big deal. He paid for our sins and it's done. And now we can be joined to him and we can learn to not serve under the oldness of the letter, but now the newness of the Spirit. This is what God really desires, is people that will follow him by the newness of his Spirit. You know, they were trying to trick Jesus. Remember that guy that came and he tested Jesus? What's the greatest of the commandments? What's the biggie ones? Remember that attorney? You know attorneys, they love to argue little points of the law. And Jesus says, well, how's it read to you? And interesting, he quotes right from Deuteronomy, the part, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, your soul, and your strength. And the second is like unto the first. He said, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said, 
Good job. Go do it. You got it. Another one of the Gospels records that Jesus teaches that those are the very things that the whole law hung upon. See, I don't know this, but I'm wondering if the attorney was in the crowd and heard Jesus teach it, and then he went to test him. And I wouldn't be surprised. He's like, so, what's the greatest good? How's it read to you? Jesus, like, throws it back at him. So how's it read to you? Well, you got to love God and you got to love your neighbor. Good job. Go do it. And you shall live, Jesus said. And then it says, wishing to justify himself. He said, and who is my neighbor? Like, I have to love everyone. Who's my neighbor? And that's when Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. He says, let me tell you a story. There was a guy. He was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell into the hands of these thieves. It says, and they stripped him. They beat him. They left him half dead. They took all of his stuff. Robbed him and cast him to the side right there on the road. And Jesus said, and there was a Jewish teacher, rabbi, comes by and sees the man beaten. Well, I don't have time. You know, I got to get to temple. I got to teach. I'm an important guy. Pulls his robe to his side. In other words, like, I don't want to touch that unclean guy on the side of the road. Well, he just walks on by. And a Levite comes by, and that's the tribe that the priests come from. He sees the guy, and he leaves the guy there, beaten, half dead, naked. And Jesus says, and then a Samaritan comes by. He comes by and sees the man, it says, and lifts him up, and he bandages him. He puts his own oil on the wounds. Be like what we call administering first aid. He puts some salve on him, and he puts him on his beast of burden, and he takes him all the way to the inn, and he tells the innkeeper, Take care of this fellow. I've got to go do some business. But whatever it costs you, I'll pay it when I come back. And Jesus said, which one proved to be the neighbor? I'm sure the attorney's going, I don't like the answer. Because it's a Samaritan. Samaritans are half Jews. In Jewish culture, they're kind of looked at with disdain. Like, you're not a pure Jew. You came from when we were conquered and our women were humiliated. You're the offspring of our enemy. That's the mindset that they have toward the Samaritan. The good Samaritan story is like showing that it's not your genealogy, it's not your Jewishness, it's not your following of the lawness that makes you approved by God. It's you showing compassion. And Jesus asked him, which one showed compassion to that man that fell into the hands of the thieves? And I guess the Samaritan. He said, go and do the same. Go show compassion. Now, that's the spirit of the law right there. The spirit of God's law is that we be compassionate to our fellow man, to someone in need. You guys probably heard this growing up, didn't you? the golden rule, do unto others as you have them do unto you. That's the spirit of the law. I don't have to teach you all the little things about if your neighbor's animal comes and kills your animal, then the law actually gives down to the detail what you have to do, what to do with the dead animal, how to repay the guy who lost his animal, the whole thing. If you love your neighbor and your animal caused his animal harm, what would you do out of love? Would you take care of it? Just out of love and compassion, be like, oh man, I'm sorry you lost your animal. What can I do to make it right? 
Can I give you one of my animals? Can I get you another animal? Can I buy you one? You don't need a law to tell you to do that. Because the spirit of the law is alive in you. And this is where when we learn to die to our flesh and we say, God, let us be resurrected with your son. Let us walk in that newness of the spirit. We start just doing these things because it's just the spirit of the law. It's what Jesus would do. And if you ever don't know what the spirit of the law is, like you got a question, what should I do in this circuit? Just do this. What would Jesus do? You know, the kids have little bracelets, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Just think, what would he do? Because truly, if you ask yourself that question, you say, what would Jesus do right here? What would he do to help this person? How would he help them? You will come to God's spirit of the law. Because Jesus said, guys, I'm going to go now. When he went to the cross, right before he left the earth, he said, I'm going to go to my father's house and I'm going to prepare a place for you. Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm coming back. I'll get you. I'll bring you to where I am. And he says, in my father's house, there's many mansions. And I'll bring you so that you would be where I am. I want you to be with me. But he told his disciples, he says, guys, don't worry. I've got a gift I'm going to leave you. In fact, it's to your advantage. I go away and I'm going to send you a helper. This helper is called the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew while he was humbled in the state of a man on this earth, he could only be in one physical location at a time. But how limited is God's spirit? Can God's spirit be with all of us at the same time? He says, I'm telling you, it's to your advantage. I go away and I send you the Holy Ghost, the helper, because he'll be with all of you. And they were going, oh man, don't leave. There goes our free lunch card. There goes the guy who does all the miracles. And he goes, no, I'm sending my spirit. And he says, and greater things, what you've seen me do, greater things will you do. You read about the early church. Did they have miracles happen? You know, after Christ left, did they pray for the sick? Did they get healed? Did they see miracles of the food multiplying, like when Jesus multiplied the loaves? Yeah. You read church history. There was cool stuff. And I got to tell you, the people who are really into the letter of the law, they do this. I don't see it. I never seen no food. I said, you've never been to our feeding. We've had weeks where there's very little and a really big line. And I just go, Lord, could you pull off one of those? And you know what? He does. And I love those days because the people serving are like, you're not going to believe it. it was down to the last scoop. And I scooped and I put a plate and then another guy came up. And I looked down and there was another scoop. And I'm thinking, I believe it. I mean, really, was that really hard for God? A little extra scrambled eggs. There you go. He went, oh, that was a big one. No, man, the Lord's going, there's nothing. But see, we serve a God and his spirit's powerful. We're shortchanging a lot of people's experience to help their faith because we don't express how great he is. In our culture, everybody wants to make the pastor the one that's great. They want to look at the man or something. I'm like, don't look at us. Look at Christ. He's the great one. That's the guy I'm serving. That's the one Paul said, you can be an imitator of me as I'm an imitator of Christ. I'm just here to show you an example because I'm just imitating him. And we do learn by example. I don't mind saying, you don't know how to do it? Okay, copy me. But some of you older Christians, I want to challenge you. Find some young one who's just starting out in their faith and doesn't know how to do it. And if you want to see where your walk is a little bit shaky, just go to that young one and say, okay, I know you're just starting out. I want you to 
feel free to copy anything you see me do. As I copy Jesus. You want to find out how quick the areas you're not really copying Jesus in show up? Because as soon as you do that, right, the new Christian will be going, am I supposed to do that? He'll bust you. How many of you could do that? Right now, if I said, look, I got a brand new believer. They just gave their life to the Lord this morning, and they want to know how to do this. Can I send them home with you for the week? Just live your life before them as a Christian. Show them how to do it, you know, each day. What, what do you do when you get up? Seek the Lord. You go help, do whatever. You go to your job. Just let them follow you. Let them see how you conduct yourself in Christ. Now, some of you parents, you already got nailed because you were raising kids, and kids are amazing. They're like, I don't think you should do that. Like, they know. It's like their little spirit knows. That's not good to do. And you're just going along doing it every day. And But as soon as you have a kid, you realize some of the stuff you used to do, you maybe shouldn't do. How many people change their behavior after their children come along? You know, the partying ways. They go, uh, probably shouldn't be partying every night. They used to drink till I was blitzed out and then... Kids came along and was like, that's probably not the best example. We have so many people that change their ways when they know someone else is watching them to learn. But see, if you don't realize it, your life is meant to be lived so people can look at you and they can learn about Christ by just seeing him shine through you. And they're just looking at you going, hmm, no more are we going with that. Let's follow the letter of the law. Let's follow the spirit of the law, the spirit of Christ, what he wants you to do. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the big island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.
For